So for a long time, I was like, I'm just good at fitness. I'm just good at doing manipulating my body and training. And then I suck at finances. I suck at business. I suck at relationship. I was like, well, I can just implement. What do I do for my workout? I plan them. All right, cool. So let me plan financial meetings. Let me plan date night. Let me plan all of these things. Calendar, they just happen. So I start using the tools that I was using to transform my body into every other aspect. And it allowed me to up-level all of those areas. As a vegan, do you ever feel like you're living in a parallel universe, aware of things that many others don't even seem to notice, let alone acknowledge? I'm Chrissy Benson, host of the Vegan Posse podcast. We talk with vegans from around the globe who, like you, are living lives of integrity and compassion with an eye toward justice through their personal stories. You'll come to see that you're not an outlier. In fact, you're part of an entire posse of individuals who aren't just keeping the peace, they're creating it through their food choices and beyond. You won't be saddling up, but you're in for the ride of your life. Welcome to the Vegan Posse. Hey, Posse. You know me as a podcast host, but in my other life, I'm an author named Christine Melanie Benson. Have I mentioned my not-so-secret agenda of normalizing veganism through the arts? If you are tired of the same old romance novels with their meathead characters and predictable storylines, Check out my novel, Marrying Myself. It's an anti-romance romance with a vegan twist. It's available on Amazon and everywhere else. And if you would, please leave a nice review. It'll go a long way toward injecting veganism into the world of mainstream women's fiction. And that's a shot the world can use. Thanks, guys. Now, on to our episode. Today, the Vegan Posse welcomes Maxim Siguan. Maxim is a highly accomplished fitness coach, entrepreneur, and athlete. He is the founder of Fit Vegan Coaching, a company dedicated to helping individuals adopt a healthier lifestyle through plant-based nutrition and exercise. With over 10 years of experience in the fitness industry, Maxim has helped over 600 vegans successfully transition to a healthier way of living and has become a respected leader in the health and wellness community. In addition to his coaching and business ventures, Maxim is a fierce and determined athlete. He has competed in Ironman and Spartan races, as well as in cycling events to raise money for cancer research. These achievements demonstrate his dedication to living a healthy and active lifestyle and inspiring others to do the same. Maxim's passion for fitness and commitment to promoting a vegan lifestyle have earned him a reputation as a leading voice in the health and wellness industry. He offers a range of services through Fit Vegan Coaching, including one-on-one -on -one coaching, online courses, and community support to help individuals reach their fitness goals. He also owns several fitness businesses that offer comprehensive health and wellness programs, including nutrition and exercise to help people live their best lives. Welcome, Maxime, to the Vegan Posse. Are you ready for the ride of your life? Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. One of the most amazing things about launching this podcast has been connecting with some such interesting people from around the globe and getting a chance to really chat with them in depth and pick their brains. So why don't you yes. just tell us a little about yourself and you know where you're from and how you grew up and all, all that good stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, so I've been vegan for over nine years now. 
uh, but I don't come from this world. I actually used to come from the farming background. So we used to have like cows, chicken, geese. Um, we were the the farmers that killed their own chicken every year for meat and we would sell it. We'd have like eggs in the morning and, and do all of that. So I was like the far, the most opposite side of veganism that you can think of. Uh, and then when I transitioned to vegan, my parents were very shocked and surprised <laughs> that I, that I made that shift. Uh, but ultimately it just changed my life and has defined what I do now and kind of how I live my life and the people I surround myself with. Um, yeah, vegan for nine years. I've always been huge into sports. I've done pretty much everything you can think of with my body from bodybuilding mm -hmm. to powerlifting, to Ironman, to running, to cycling, Vancouver, to San Francisco, to, um, you know, stepping on stage for, for different shows. So I've been able to ultimately manipulate my body at will through proper nutritioning and, and training. And veganism played such a big role in that in with, uh, you know, helping to speed up the recovery and ultimately help with all those transformations in terms of keeping me healthy throughout all of them. Um, and then what brought me to where I am now out of this whole journey is, you know, I lost my grandfather to cancer um, several years ago. I think almost like 15 years ago. It's been a, a long time, not 15 years ago. Yeah, around 15 years ago. Um, I also lost my, my uh, ex-partner to breast cancer um, several years ago. It was a five-year. It was a five-year journey where veganism played such a big role um, in her in her healing process because the doctors gave her one year to live, and she made it five years with a pretty amazing quality of life because she transitioned to you know eating whole food, plant based. So now I am here, and I'm just trying to help people not be in her position, which I know can easily be prevented through plant-based nutrition and, and an active lifestyle. That's kind of like me, me in a nutshell. Wow, that's a lot. And that's such a poignant story. I'm so sorry. It's been a while, but I'm sorry about your grandfather and about your ex-partner. Do you, is you. it does it does it cause you some sadness that she didn't discover plant-based nutrition earlier? Do you feel that, you know, her breast cancer might have been prevented or how do you see it? For sure, it would have. I'm very confident of that because it's purely lifestyle related for both of them, ultimately, right? Like entrepreneur, really busy, stressed, just wasn't fueling themselves properly, wasn't taking care of themselves properly. Um, but I do ultimately, even now with having gone through everything I've gone through, I do still believe that everything happens for a reason and that it, you know, it was meant to just to, to align that way. And ultimately, you know, I've, I've coached, I've helped a lot of people at this point and they wouldn't have been transformed if I didn't have gone through that. So, mm -hmm. um, I would change anything. I just put it this way. Life is beautiful the way that it is. I, I love that. And I've actually had a few guests say similar things, you know, like, yeah, there were a lot of things I didn't know, a lot of things I didn't realize, but I wouldn't want to change anything about the journey because it was all such a process of discovery and growing. Yes. Yeah. So how, how did you first go vegan? How did you discover the benefits of, of plant-based eating? Yeah. So it, it was for very superficial reasons. I'll be upfront. So <laughs> I used to be a, a bodybuilder. So I used to weigh 240 pounds. I was eating a dozen eggs for breakfast every morning. I was eating three chicken breasts every two hours for five meals a day. Um, I was eating a ton of meat. I was like the typical bodybuilder that you would think of every time you think of a bodybuilder. Um, but then one day I was working out with a friend of mine and he told me after I work, I was like, hey, I need to stop by my friend's place because I need to grab something. I was like, cool. He, he was my ride for the gym. So I hopped on with him. We walked into his friend's apartment and there's a runway like for modeling. There's a runway inside the apartment. I'm like, what kind of friend you got here? And it was his modeling agent. 
Um, and he came to pick up some comp cards and she looked at me. She's like, I see something under those big chubby cheeks. You should try losing some weight and we'll do a photo shoot and see what happens. And I was like, you know what? I've done bodybuilding for a long time now. Let me just try to lean down and see what this world brings me ultimately. So uh, I started doing a cut because I was preparing for a fitness show anyway. So I was just, I wasn't vegan at the time, but I started doing a cut. I got really lean, but I had too much muscle. Like I was too big for the clothing that I needed to wear for some of these shoots and some of these gigs. Because wow. <laughs> the really skinny world of, of modeling. <laughs> and so she's like, hey, like you look great. You're great. Your face looks great without all the chunkiness around it because I was, I was 240. But she's like, you need less muscle if you want to work in this field. And I was like, you know what? Let me just give this a shot. I've tried a bunch of different things. Let me just go into this world for a little bit. So I went on Google. I said, what's going to get me the skinniest, the fastest? A vegan showed up. Vegans are skinny and weak. I was like, well, I don't care if I'm weak. I just need to be skinny. All right. So I went vegan the next day. I substituted all those meat meals that I told you earlier. And the next day, it was like a bowl of dates, frozen blueberries, and banana. I always remember, that was my first breakfast. I did not know what to eat besides fruits and vegetables. <laughs> it's very uneducated about how to fuel myself. Um, and ultimately, as I stumbled upon veganism, uh, Forks Over Knife came up in my Google search. So I watched Forks Over Knife. And then I was like, oh, this is actually interesting. There's like the big health component of that. And obviously, like, from my grandfather having been sick with cancer. I was like, That's, the dots are kind of connecting now. And then I became this really hardcore vegan of like, to my whole family, you need to be vegan. I love you. I want you to live for a long time. I don't want you to be sick. So I think everyone goes through that phase at first where they're just the preacher. <laughs> and then everyone kind of calms down after. But that's kind of how my, my journey started. Ultimately, it was to get skinny. And um, I'm here to say that you can be muscular and athletic being vegan. I've proven that. But the way I was doing it is I stopped weightlifting. I just did cardio and I managed to lose 80 pounds in my first year. Wow. I managed to get skinny enough to be able to model um, in Italy, in Milan for fashion week. Um, wow. And even there, I was like squeezing my shoulders in because the dress shirts, the button were popping off. So I was just trying to get myself <laughs> skinnier. Um, but that's what that's what started all of it. And you know, ultimately, I, I felt so good as I was doing it and I learned to better feel myself. And I was like, there's no reason for me to go back at this point. You sound like a character in a romance novel, you know, just, just <laughs> too muscular and too manly for the world of modeling, you know, the buttons popping off. They definitely uh, have really small clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so you were literally discovered at your friend's agent's house. Yeah. That's, that's quite a story. That must have, did that go to your head a little bit? Uh, no, because I didn't know <laughs> what it entailed. I didn't know what it uh -huh. looked like. And obviously, like, I'll be honest, a lot of people that go into bodybuilding really early on in their life or that go into like strength training, this is a massive lack of confidence, right? And so you're using strength training to build your body to kind of give yourself that confidence, you're borrowing the confidence from the muscle ultimately. And so I was a very insecure person. So when she said that, I was like, I don't know. And then as I started to work into it, people say like, oh, you're good looking or blah, blah, blah. And then you're kind of like, well, maybe I start to believe it a little bit, but like still even there. So I was always hesitant until at one point I was like, okay, well, there is something there, but I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to make it a big deal. Interesting. That sounds like a great attitude. How old were you at the time when you first went into modeling? Uh, yeah. So it was, uh, I think it was 20. I think it was 20. Years 20. Old, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then how long did you stay in that world? Two years. Two years. Yeah. yeah what it was, what was it like? Did you really? 
Yeah, the the local scene. If you're working in like Canada, like Toronto, Vancouver, and kind of all that scene is it's 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 fine. It's it's local, right? It's, it's just uh, you go to agency, you go to casting. You're living in your house, and then you're traveling from there. But when I did my gig in in Milan, when I was in Italy, you're they they put you in a, an apartment with like six other models, and everyone's like, it's terrible. You're like sleeping in the same room as six other people, and they charge you so much to stay there, and oh, then they just really? deduct it off the gigs that you make. Ah, but the end of it is, and I could have gone. I realized after I was twenty, right? But I was I was younger. I was like, I could have gone a full apartment for a quarter of the cost that they were charging me. Right. So it was a uh, it was interesting to live in that environment, but just to see how toxic it was as well with like what people were willing to do to stay that skinny. For me, it was like I'm just gonna run and eat rice. That's like <laughs> what I'm gonna do to be skinny. I just no protein, no strength training. Cause as soon as I did, I would like bulk up really fast because my body remembered, but I would see people like just abuse cigarette cigarettes and like diet Coke. I, it was the trend at the time. And I, I saw a few people do this is the cotton ball. They would sow cotton ball and orange juice and eat it because it tasted good and then make them feel full. And I was like, Oh my God, what are people doing with themselves? So it was a very toxic world. I just, I didn't like it. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, I've heard about models eating tissues, but I hadn't heard about the cotton ball. <laughs> so yeah, I juice. think that was the thing at the time that they were doing. I don't know. <laughs> wow. And so from there, you went into bodybuilding or what was your segue? So that was before, before I, cause I had to lose all the muscle mass to be able to do modeling. Got it. Um, got it. Yeah. After modeling, I just kind of stayed healthy for a while. I just continued working out with no specific goal, just to stay fit and feel good. And I think the next big thing I did was, um, when Mike's partner got diagnosed with cancer a few years in, it was so expensive. Cause I was the, I was the bank ultimately to pay for all the treatments. Um, I was like, I need to do like a fundraiser of some sort but she, she wasn't public about her situation. So I was like, how do I raise money anonymously? Um, so what I did, I was like, I need to do something crazy because I saw people at the time, there was a James, James Lawrence, I think he did 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 different States in the United States. And then I was like, and he raised a ton of money. I was like, I need to do something crazy like that. Like the one thing that I'm good at is doing whatever I want with my body. I can, I can <laughs> run anywhere. I can bike anywhere. So I was like, let me bike from Vancouver, Canada to San Francisco. It was like 2000 miles, I think to bike the whole thing. Uh, I'm not a cyclist. My background is in bodybuilding and lifting heavy things, not being on a bike for several hours a day. So I, I did that. I found four other people to raise funds for that were battling cancer as well that needed support. And so I found those four people, set up the fundraiser and then took off on my trip. And I documented the whole thing on YouTube. Every day I would film a video, bike a hundred kilometers, edit it, post it in my tent every night. And I would do that every single day for I think 21 days in a row. Um, and we managed to raise a bunch of money. I was able to support everyone um, with their cancer treatments ultimately, which was an, an awesome feeling, which is what I continue to do now to this day is support families that are directly battling cancer because I understand what it's like to be in that position. Um, but yeah, after the cycling trip, I was like, what other crazy thing can I do? And then I went back to my good friend Google and I was like, what crazy events exist around the world? And Iron Man showed up. I was like, ooh, that sounds, I don't know what it is, but it sounds cool. So I signed up for my first half Iron Man and I just got hooked into that world. I did over 25 plus different triathlons, I think, after that. Boy, boy. Well, first of all, let me just say for the record, what an act of love to just take that upon yourself and do all that fundraising. That must have meant so much to your partner. Yes. 
Yeah, definitely. And it it was a, it was not a need. It was a must ultimately, right? I, I couldn't have never made enough money to pay for everything. So I just found the most creative ways that I could to make it happen. Wow. And have you always had that sort of discipline and will regarding your body just to do whatever it took? You change how you eat, work out, cycle, run, whatever. Yes. Right. Yes. I would like okay. to say no. And there was this cool thing that I built or that happened. But <laughs> um, when I, when I was really young, my parents always put me into different sports. Um, I, I played, played soccer, I played baseball, I played different things, but I was never, I was never really disciplined with it because I didn't enjoy it until I got my first love, which was basketball. And then I was hooked. I would train every break in school, every evening it's winter outside. I got gloves on dribbling on ice shooting. And then when I got hooked onto that and I started to have discipline in that field, then it just built it within my body. And then the next time I took on something, I was like, well, I've already been doing this with this area. So let me just do it with this thing now. So it just kind of like stuck and evolved from really early on. Very interesting. So what happened with basketball? Did you pursue that for a long time? Uh, I did. I ended up uh, going to high school, getting recruited for college. I played college ball, um, but didn't have good grades. So they took me off the team. And then I was like, well, that's the only reason I'm in school is because I can play basketball. And so... <laughs> Again, I'm very disciplined in that one area, but studying was not one of those areas I was disciplined in. And I was like, I'm more like street smart than book smart. Like I'm just, I'm better at other things and remembering specific pieces of data for school. So after like two semesters, I'm not playing. I was like, well, this like, I can't play basketball. So and that's when I fell into bodybuilding. I'm let me just go and try to like make money with this instead. Interesting. It sounds, it sounds though, like you really learned a lot about nutrition as you were discovering the vegan path. So clearly you do have a, a big capacity for learning and for education. I guess it just had to be self-motivated. Exactly. And that's, that's, you know, that's what I did know earlier on was when I was in school, I was like, oh, I can learn these things, but I don't care too much about them. But then I'd find something I'm really passionate about and I can read for 10 hours. And I was like, well, there's something here, right? So, and then as I got older, I was like, well, you can basically make a business out, out of anything. So I'm like, let me make a business out of something I'm passionate about. And I can spend 12 hours a day learning about it and it, it'll go by like this and I'll have a fun time. So that's basically what I focused on, on that trait. Brilliant. So how old were you when you started your first business? And was, was that first business, your current business, Fit Vegan Coaching? Yes. So that was the, the first. We, we, have, we have four now, um, but this was wow. the first one. I started it at 27, so over three years ago. Amazing. Amazing. And what was your conception at the time? Uh, what do you mean? Like how, how I built it? Like, like, how did you envision the business? It was going to be a business. Was, were you targeting people who were already vegan to get, uh, yes. Them get yeah, so yes. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story of how it got started and why it is the way that it is. So at the time my, my, uh, my ex-partner was still alive and it was a time where I just, um, I was working a corporate job, got let go because they were running out of money and I was the last person hired. And I was like, but I'm your best employee. <laughs> Why are you letting me go? It's like, well, it's just, it's business. And I got so upset with working with someone else. I was like, I am just going to work for myself now. So I was already a trainer. So I went to a gym, basically reactivated my certification. I'm like, let me start training people. So I trained a few people and then COVID happened. The whole world shut down. And I was like, man, I can't train anyone now. I can't even have three, four jobs if I want to, because everything is closed. So I was like, let me go online. And I tried to do it myself online. Couldn't do it. Hired a mentor, changed my life. And I was like, hey, like I have this big amount of cancer treatments to pay per month and I'm making zero dollars and I'm running in a negative every month. I'm going to lose my apartment. 
I don't have money for food anymore. I was eating at food bank. I actually have this little photo here. I know this is just audio, but eventually it'll come out on video. Yeah. But I framed, I framed my last piece of paper when I went to the food bank to grab that brown bag. Wow. <laughs> just to remind me where wow. I came from. But from there started it. And the whole goal was to help people not be in that position because I know that disease proofing your body is not very sexy for a lot of people. Um, especially if you're like 20, 30, 40, you don't really think of it. And as you get older, you st it starts to become a bit more important. And so I was like, how can I, how can I disease proof people's body in a way that they will be excited to do it? I'm like, let me get them super fit. That's what I'm good at, right? Let me get them in shape, but make them eat in a way that's going to help them disease proof their body. So selfishly, what I get out of it is like, I get you a flat stomach or lose 40 pounds, 60 pounds or 70 pounds, but I know that I'm also greatly reducing your risk of chronic disease in the future. So it's more of like a, a little swap that I have with people. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. And the way I see it as a vegan who also has a strong interest in health, if there's anyone who deserves to feel good in their bodies and to be healthy, it's people who are not participating in our crazy sociopathic food system, namely mm -hmm. vegans. And so yeah. to me, that's always been the group of people that I, I really, really enjoy helping people who are already vegan. And so share those ethical values, um, but aren't at optimal health and don't know how good they can feel in their bodies. Um, yeah. so I, I relate a lot to that. Um, I hear you inspired your mom to go vegan. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. My, my mom struggled her whole life with her weight. I saw her do like uh Atkins diet, paleo makers. diet, do like P90X, you know, every Saturday morning, I started to do all these things. And I was like, you know what? Like mom, let me just help you. Right. I'm really good at this. I'll <laughs> promise you will keep the weight off, but you got to go vegan because I'm not including any animal products into the meal plan. And then she's like, okay, well, I'll give it a shot. She dropped 54 pounds. She's, she's turning 58 in like 10 days, um, has a six pack for the first time in her life Wow! Um, at, at 58. And that's like two and a half years after she lost the weight and she still has her abs two and a half years after, because we sped up her metabolism after the fat loss. So now her body can just maintain it ultimately. Amazing. So what kind of plan did she do? And I'm asking for selfish, <laughs> selfish. <reasons. laughs> yeah. So you know, it was a combination of, of whole food plant-based eating, but being very efficient with the calorie deficit and the proportions of the food, right? Most people typically, when they think of doing a fat loss, they just think of removing a ton of calories in one go. But the thing is, when you do that, you're basically putting your body in a state of survival. Now I'll put it this way. Your, your body doesn't really care that you're trying to lose weight or that you're trying to build muscle or look better in your swimsuit, right? All your body wants is to survive. So if it knows like, Hey, Chrissy is expending this much energy and then taking only this little amount of energy. Well, if it continues the trend, well, Chrissy is going to die 10 years earlier, right? Your body's like, I don't want that. So it slows down the metabolism, gets rid of things that require a lot of energy to maintain. So it can sustain on what you're giving it. And one of the things that requires a lot of calories in your body to sustain is muscle. So guess what? If you don't have a lot of energy, it's going to let go of the muscle because it, it requires a lot to maintain it. And you can live, you can be very skinny and live a really long time, right? So we need to be efficient with our calorie deficit by going slow and steady just to not turn off this like red alert in your body that goes like, oh shit, get rid of everything ultimately. So that's kind of how we, straight, we, we strengthened, uh, structured her nutrition. 
And then the strength training, such a huge component, especially as you're getting older, strengthening your bone, balancing your hormones, building lean muscle because it decreases with age as well. Um, cardio is one of the last things you want to do. You want to have it for heart health because, again, you can have the best body in the world, but if your heart gives out, it, it's the end, right? So we want cardio for heart health. So I like to call it heart training, but strength training needs to be at the foundation of what you're doing. And that's how she's been able to transform with these two things structured properly over time. She was able to lose the weight. And then we sped up her metabolism after her fat loss, which takes about four months after. Wow. That's really, really interesting. Um, were you and your mom always close? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, my, my whole family's always worked out. We've always been active. My dad was playing basketball and then volleyball with my mom. My mom played college volleyball and they, they were always active, but as you get older, right, they kind of like go up the nutrition part a little bit. They enjoyed themselves and put on some weight o over the years. Um, and I remember when I was younger, my goal was to be as heavy as my mom because I always wanted to bulk up. So I was like, as she was <laughs> trying to lose weight, I was trying to catch up to her so I could say like, hey, I weigh the same as you. Yeah. So how how has being vegan affected the way you you know, think back to living on the farm, you know, and, and seeing the animals and all of that. Has it colored your perspective? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I can't even walk in the grocery aisles in the meat section anymore. Like if I have to walk, I just look on the ground. I just like look at the ground. So I'm not walking into anything, but I can't I have a really hard time looking at it. So yeah, it's um, well, on my side, I never killed a chicken. My dad did, but being around it, I didn't enjoy Right. And, and looking back, like, you know, I wish I had done things differently, but ultimately at the end of the day, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be here helping all those people not eat this way. And, and so that's, I'm basically trying to pay back that debt from being on the farm through helping other people. Very interesting. So even though you're clearly health motivated, um, it sounds like you have a big concern for the animals too. Yeah, of course it's, it's messed up. Like I said, I, I, I can't walk in the grocery, the grocery aisle because it just feels like, like a slice of someone's arm put in a styrofoam <laughs> and put plastic over it. It's just, it's gross. Yeah. I can't, can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. There was, that reminds me of a story that a woman told me once, or actually I heard at a vegan conference and this was a woman who was raising her kids vegan and she took them into the grocery store and took them into the meat section just to show them, you know, a package of a chicken drumstick, you know, and cellophane and case in plastic. And she, she explained to her little kids, you know, she said, so you know what a chicken is, right? And they said, of course, you know, and she said, so if you were to, you know, cut off his head and drain out the blood and pluck, pluck off all the feathers and, you know, cut off his leg and put it in a package, this, you know, this is what that is. And she yeah. said, they just were staring at her just in shock, just saying, but why would they have that in a, in a store where they sell food? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. As, and you know, it's funny as human, as, as adults too, right. They don't make the connection right away. Right. Right. That, like this thing that you want to pet and that you say it's so cute is also the thing that's on your plate right now. Right. Yeah. What, what kinds of animals did you have on your family farm growing up? Um, chicken, geese, rabbits. So we had the chickens for eggs, chicken for meat, geese, rabbits. We had horses, we had, and cows and a few bulls. Oh, wow. So a lot of different kinds of animals. Yeah. Well, we had 140 acres of land. So we had like a, wow. we had a pretty big farm. Wow. What were the rabbits raised for? 
the rabbits uh i think it was me too i can't remember too it much it was me honestly a bunch of them died in the road because they would just like let them free and they would run on the other side and so we lost a bunch of them my dad was a new farmer so he was learning a lot um yeah so a lot of debt to pay back on that side with helping people go vegan yeah well obviously it wasn't it wasn't your personal debt but i i can see feeling that you know responsibility my my mother's parents were farm farmers as well they were chicken farmers so I, yeah i knew that world yeah um so what what motivates you with your health now because obviously you know you look amazing you're super healthy so kind of where where else is there to go that's a great question because i've been dealing with that for the past year um yeah, I right now I'm just doing a bulk. So just packing on some muscle and then for another two months and then I'm going to do a cut for the end of the year. Um, and that was a very, that was a stretch of a goal for me to do because I don't really care. Ultimately, I, I, I feel good. That's, that's just all I want. I think for so long I was training because there was a discomfort in my body. When I was mm. younger, there was a lack of confidence in what I look like. So I was like, I need more muscle. And when I did Ironman, well, I need to perform. I need to be the best. I need to start winning races and do all that. And I just got to a point where I'm, I've, I've done all the transformations and I and I don't really care anymore. Um, I just want to feel good. Like, I just want to be mobile. I want to yeah. be able to bike, go for a swim, lift some weights, go for a hike, have energy and and feel awesome. Um, people ask me all the time, like, when's the next, when are you going to do an Ironman? When are you going to be back into this world? When are you going to do like a lifting competition? And I was like, I don't need it because the, what I got out of that was like self-worth out of doing mm. these races. Like it made me feel good. But now mm. what makes me feel good is when I take someone that is unhealthy and I get them fit and I disease proof their body. Like I get my joy from that now versus from competing. So I spend a lot more time on trying to coach people and impact lives than I do on actual training. So just honestly, just training for fun and just to unfortunately keep the superficial shape because if I was to get out of shape, it's really hard to tell people like, Hey, you should listen <laughs> to me. Right. So I'm just, yeah. I'm staying in shape for that reason. Ultimately. Yeah. You're a role model, like it or not, you are for sure. Yeah. Walking. That's what I tell my members is like, you automatically become a walking billboard as soon as you take this on especially when you go vegan right because so many people are against it or have a ton of questions and are just looking to point fingers to find faults so mm. you, you basically have to lead by example right mm. and so you'll notice as your body transforms as they start to lose weight for so long they've been trying to impact their family and now that they lost some weight their family's like oh hey what are you doing <laughs> plant-based like right. oh now tell me about it so right. it's, just a, it's a great vehicle to talk about veganism Yes. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. But so tell me this, when you, when you work with your clients, I mean, you're a rare specimen in terms of just having that will of steel and that willingness to tolerate discomfort and just do whatever it takes to make your body look a certain way or, or perform certain tasks. But most people yeah. are not like that. So how do you, yeah. how do you help just regular people? I turn them into that. That's the big part. So I always say this to my clients, all transformation is 80% psychology, 20% strategy, right? I'm sure, I don't know if you ever heard that before. I've heard it from you and okay, I cool. agree. So, yes. <laughs> so in terms of strategy, like we have so many best strategies in the world. We know they work. I've used them on myself for the past 18 years of my life. We've used it for over 600 members. So the, the, the concept works. We know that it functions, right? But the 80% psychology is the thing that limits most people to follow the strategy. 
So it's limiting belief, self-sabotage, you know, our, our list value, the things that we believe that kind of prevent us from doing that. So in the, in a program when we coach people, the majority of what we do is psychology is mindset the whole way through. Like people think it's all about training nutrition. Like we build it for you, but what are, what we put our effort on is getting you to stick to it. <laughs> That's the big part. But a big part of the strategy is it's sustainable, right? So a lot of people come from the world of yo-yo dieting and crash diet. They try something, they're very intense about it, very restrictive, and then they lose the weight. And then they're like, well, I can't sustain this. They just go back to eating normally and the weight comes back on, right? Stats are for North America, 95% of people put the weight back on six months to a year after. For wow. our members, for our members, 80% mm -hmm. of them keep the weight off two to three years after. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Wow. Stats. What a great stat for you to have been tracking. That's yes. really yeah, powerful information. I care about not the before after, but the after after photo, right? Like, how do you keep this off ultimately? Because mm -hmm. I struggle with keeping it off for a long time. My mom did as well. So like, how do we just prevent it from coming back on? So the strategies we need to follow them. So on the psychological standpoint, like people have, it's weird. I think it's only with the body and fitness that I found this. People have this expectation that everything will go perfectly and smoothly. Like the graph will just going to go down every way and there's just this expectation that it's going to go smooth, but that's not the reality, right? We get coached over 600 people. Not a single one of them has had a perfect journey the whole way through. I don't have perfect journeys when I have a transformation. Life happens, stressors. Sometimes you just make the wrong decision. You eat the thing that you're not supposed to eat too much of the thing you're not supposed to, or you just, you get sick. And so people don't account for life happening. So a big part of getting people to be successful, the number one thing is the speed at which they get back on track, right? So some people, they're like, I'm going to do this. And then they start three weeks, they're crushing it. Then they have one moment where they slip, they have a glass of wine, and which is fine, by the way, but they're like, I shouldn't have had it. And then they just self-sabotage from there. And then like, okay, well, I'll wait for New Year's resolution next year. I'm like, that's like eight months from now. <laughs> I'm like, why want eight months to get back on track now? Some people wait for the next month. Some people wait for the next year. Some people wait for the next day. We coach our members to win the next meal. If you go for breakfast and you have 12 stacks of pancake and you eat over your nutrition, that's okay. Eat your same snack, eat the same lunch. Because the downside of trying to compensate is far mm -hmm. worse than the few extra calories that you're going to eat from eating your snack and your lunch and getting back on track. It, from a mindset standpoint, what screws people over is just trying to compensate. And then they eat less mm -hmm. the next day or they do more exercise. Guess what happens if you do that for a day? You're hungrier the next day. So you're more likely to overeat again. And it's just a vicious cycle. Right. Okay. So how do you how do you teach people about nutrition? Is it is it separate from the fitness or do you kind of weave both in together? Uh both in together. So um I use this funny analogy. Heard of Karate Kid before the movie? Mm -hmm. Right? Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off. Cool. Yes. <laughs> so our program is wax on, wax off. Right. <laughs> So you're doing things, but at the end, you're like, oh my God, I can block, I can strike, I can defend myself. That's basically what happens. So through um, them doing the meal plan, they see how their meals are structured. They see how their day is structured. They see how they feel after a meal, right? They see their body transition. They do the exercise. They have questions. They ask questions. But we also have uh, five group calls per week. So there's one every single day on each topic. So Monday, it's a breakthrough mindset with myself. Talk one hour, just about limiting beliefs, self-sabotage, obstacles that show up. Tuesday, it's food and body relationship with a nutritionist, Sarah, which has over 10 plus years of experience. 
Um, Wednesday, it's movement performance with a doctor physical therapy, Dr. Joey, that we have on our team. Thursday, it's getting back on track with Coach Nicole. So Coach Nicole is still a member. She lost over 110 pounds with us. She used to binge eat every two days. But she's the most resilient person I've ever met. She just like, it went from every two days to every week to every month. They, it just like mm -hmm. her, her, her rate decreased. And now she doesn't anymore. Mm -hmm. But just because she kept showing up. So she's really great at creating a safe space for members to kind of connect together. And then Friday, we do like a Q&A call for everyone. So we literally cover every aspect of the transformation from an educational standpoint with presentations every day of the week. It's recorded. It's like a private podcast for our members. Um, and so far, we've done over like 350 of them. So if they need something, they just type a word, the recording will show up and they can just listen to it and learn more about it. But we're also always adding to it. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a brilliant setup. And is there a way for members to interact with one another? Because this is all yeah. done online, right? Yeah, so it's all done online. So we have a group chat where everyone can kind of connect together. Um, and we have a spreadsheet where members that want to connect with others can kind of punch in their name, their Instagram, their email, so everyone can kind of reach out together. And there's little groups that were formed outside where they they connect to go for a bike ride together, or they run a half marathon together, or they do a crock pot together. Um, yeah. That's really cool. So how did you come up with this structure for your business? Yeah. So at first it was just hiring my first mentor that showed me how to do it. And um, where did he, you find your mentor? Instagram. Instagram. Really? Just someone yeah. that you, you saw and you thought could teach I, you some good things. I saw an ad and there was a, a, a pretty appealing financial promise on it. And I was like, man, I got like $10,000 of treatments to pay per month. So I'm like, I, I need something, right? It's COVID. I, nothing can happen for me. So I reached out to him. I chatted with him. He told me how much the investment was. And I was like, my credit cards are loaded. I owe so much money in cancer treatments. I'm going to lose my apartment. I have, I have nothing. And then I, I even sent him a screenshot of my bank account. And the number I had, I got a tattooed on my finger. So I had $34.37 in my bank account at the time. That's all I had. Plus minus like... 80,000, <laughs> but that's what how much I had in cash. The I tattoo like, probably cost more than that. It did. Yeah, <laughs> it did for sure. But it's a good reminder that where, where I came from. So I sent him a screenshot. I was like, man, I have, I have, I'll give you this. And as I make money, I'll pay you. Right. And he's like, no, hey, man, <laughs> you're going to find a way. And so I just called my credit card company. And I was like, Hey guys, I need to buy something. Can you give me an extension? No reason for them to give me, right? Like loaded for months, never paid. And they're like, yes. Honestly, if it wasn't for them, we would have helped this many people today because they said, yes, I called them back. I'm like, take the money before they change their mind. Um, <laughs> and then that's what started the whole journey that we're on now to ultimately, you know, across all four companies, we're probably at like 850 lives impacted total. Um, and it's just growing exponentially. Amazing. And this mentor of yours, was he a vegan or he was a business guru? What was his special? He's uh, more on the business side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's been in the fitness space for like 20 plus years. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's not vegan. He, he wasn't vegan. But at the time, it was not uh, the trait that I was looking for. I was like, how do I pay for these cancer treatments this month? Um, right, right. You knew about yeah. the vegan part. You needed help with the financial business part. how do i put this together how do i structure yeah. it how do i market it how do i deliver it so it was very helpful to get that base and then from mm -hmm. there i've refined my base and turned it into what it is now that's amazing because you said you left college so you never went to business school or anything like that 
No, no, I never did. Um, I just, I just always tried to start businesses on my own throughout my life. Uh-huh. And hiring a mentor was a game changer. And when I saw that hiring a mentor was a game changer, I was like, who else can I hire? So um, I just joined Tony Robbins group a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Biggest investment that I've ever made. And it was very scary. Um, but already it's already paid off for itself. Just being around wow. those people and having access to those resources is it makes a significant difference. I can see that. Yeah. I'm a fan of Tony Robbins. I went to one of his workshops when I lived in New York City. And nice. And his awesome. book, his book, Awaken the Giant Within, was was definitely a big one for me. Um yeah, so that's what started it all for me as well, like really? 15 years ago. Really? When how did you discover that book? A Christmas gift for my parents. Really? Nice. Nice. Yeah. They saw that I wanted to improve myself. And they're like, here's this book. And now it's like, (laughs) there's so many notes in it, pages folded. Uh, I'm trying to, it's at my parents' house because I traveled a lot. So I don't have it with me, but I'm trying to find the original copy because I wrote where I wanted to be in like 10, 15 years in it. And I'm 10, I'm 15 years out. So I want to see if I got to what I wrote down. Oh, I, I bet you got way past there. I would I'm, imagine. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. That's but, amazing. Yeah. Wow. What a story. And Tony Robbins, I believe he's, he's somewhat vegan-ish, isn't he? Yeah. So he used to be vegan, stepped away from it, but I just did his last, uh, his last two events, which were UPW and then business mastery. Um, and at UPW, there was one full day where they just talked about health and vitality. And I was very surprised, but the whole like 13 hours, cause you know, they're really long days for the event. They were just talking about plant-based eating. And I was like, mm. this is great. Yeah. So I guess he's back on the plant-based train. Right. Right. Um, so I'm really interested to hear about the growth of your business. You know, how did it start out and how did it evolve over time? Yeah. Well, see, the first year, I think I was a, a working corporate. I was making like $40,000 a year before I got let go. And then our first and this year, was we, in, I'm sorry to interrupt You're You're from California or you, you were living in California at the time. No, no, I'm Canadian. So I was in Vancouver at the time. Oh, so you were still in Canada. For some reason, I was thinking you, maybe it was the modeling segue. I assumed that must be LA, but okay. So you've, you've yeah, I was Canada traveling around. Time. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. So I was in Vancouver and I think yeah, first year corporate was like 40,000. Um, and not to get too much of the deals, but the first year was multi six figures. Um, the second year we doubled that, uh, and then this year we're trying to hit seven plus figures for, oh, for amazing. all the companies. Yeah, that's amazing. And how, like, again, um, um, was your mentor really helpful and just like, you know, helping you with the structure and the setup and the way to, you know, build for scalability and all all of those considerations. Yeah, he helped me. Uh, the, he helped me set the foundation for all of it. And there was a point where I was like, okay, well, my business is a little bit different than kind of the other ones he was building because of like the vegan aspect. There's just a slightly different approach that I wanted to have to it. Mm-hmm. And then so I kind of took over from there and I rebuilt my own systems to be able to scale them. And I didn't know this at the time, but I was actually really good at it. And it's actually a part of the business that I enjoy the most. Uh, marketing. I like it, but I like building systems and culture in the back end. So, yeah. so now what I started doing is um, kind of like when Robert shared with us when we to make our introduction. Um, my personal mission is to help ten thousand people get lean, thrive, and disease-proof their bodies on plants by twenty thirty three, and a million by twenty fifty. 
And I realized that for me to get the 10,000 and a million, I could do it with just me, which ultimately not everyone is going to connect to me. And that's okay. Not everyone is supposed to like everyone. And maybe I'm too skinny for them. Maybe the, the way that I speak doesn't connect with them. And so I was like, how can I impact more lives and not make it about just me having the biggest business? Well, I was like, there's a lot of other vegan fitness coaches that um, are passionate, but that just don't necessarily have the backend skills to build the systems and scalability and culture that are necessary to have a thriving business. So what I did is I partnered up with people that have large followings in the vegan fitness space. And I build, I build their business and run their business for them uh-huh. as they create the marketing. So I have someone, Brian Turner, for example, is a big vegan fitness YouTuber. Like he's, he's super buff. People look at him like, I want to look like Brian. They don't say that to me because I'm skinnier. So, <laughs> right. So he's able to impact people that I would never be able to impact. And so I did that three other times, which is why we have four companies now. And we have a waiting list of companies to be built. I can only do about one per month. So we have a few more coming on board, but ultimately that's expanding the impact that we can have for people. Wow. That is, that's like truly going viral as a business. You're yes. going to do, yeah. do you franchise or is it just a, a consulting relationship? Uh, it's more of a consulting relationship. So I, yeah. I take a little piece of equity in the company. We, we basically charge an upfront fee to build all the systems for them to be scalable. And then I take a piece of the equity per month um, as we're consulting and helping them scale the company ultimately to multi six figures to seven figures. That's incredible, especially since it sounds like you're still a very small operation with you and just a couple of people. How yeah, many we have employees 10 do you team have? Members. Have I'm 10. sorry? Uh, 10. 10. Okay. Wow. That That's really amazing, Maxim. I mean, did you did you think that you could do this? Nope. It just happened. That's not <laughs> moving along. I was like, I'm really great at this. Let me do more of it. And then the first, the second business I started was more for me to prove to myself, if I was to lose everything, could I redo it? And then mm. we made five figures within our first month. I was like, oh, I can. All right. <laughs> and I was like, can we bring it to this number? And then we brought it to this number. And then so to me, it just gave me a lot of confidence in that if you're to strip me from my bank accounts, my house and everything, like I could rebuild within the first month, which that just came out of like me investing in myself ultimately. Right. And you had talked early on in your, you know, modeling days and with the bodybuilding that you had a sense of insecurity and it mm-hmm. seems very clear now that you have a lot of self-confidence. Yes. Yeah. And it, and it came just out of doing those things and getting actual proof. Um, I used to kind of like everyone else, like I did so many mistakes to gain confidence and security. Um, I bought a watch that I shouldn't have bought. That was <laughs> like, Oh, I got this. I'm cool now. And then I was like, well, that's not the thing that will give me true confidence. So I think what it looks like for me is doing the thing that I say that I'm going to do. And if I have trust in myself that I do the things that I say that I'm going to do, there's no way way for me to not have any confidence because I know that I'll get done whatever I commit to. And that's kind of where it came from. And how has it been, you know, getting, getting this big and getting this prosperous, how has it been kind of keeping the soul of your company intact? Um, we're still in a good spot where that's very, that's pretty easy. Um, at the core with every new person I partner with, like the mission is the same. And I'm always upfront that I donate a percentage of what we make towards families that are battling cancer. So every month there's that direct reminder of like, this is what we're doing this. This is why we're here ultimately. Yeah. Like that's, that's 
why I'm building everything the way that I'm building it. And that's why I'm going wide with all these opportunities so that more people can be impacted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, do you ever turn businesses away? Uh, yeah. If I don't think they're a good fit, um, like from a value standpoint, and if I don't want to, again, if we, if we don't get along, like this is a relationship, right? So if we don't mm-hmm. get along, I don't think there's going to be a good fit. If you, I've had people that just drain my energy and I was like, ah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's not going to be fun <laughs> anymore. Right. Yeah. So I pick yeah. people to make sure that we're a good fit ultimately, but that the values are there as well. If it's just like, I want to make money and like do whatever you want with the people that we're coaching. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't want that. Right. I want to make sure people are taken care of because if they're not, they're going to shy away from what we're trying to preach to them, which is, you know, whole food, plant-based eating, living a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so of your clientele, how many of them are vegan when they come to you? Is that the large majority? It is a large majority because that was the business model. So the first, I think I changed it in January of this year. So January of this year before I only work with vegans. So people had to be vegan to jump in the program. And then I, I went away to Cabo for one week and I just took one week off of like nothing, no phone, just re- relaxing for the first time in a long time. Mm. And it was more like, well, I don't need vegans to be more vegan. I need more people to eat more plant-based, right? Like that's what we're trying to do here. Mm. So I opened it up to people that want to transition to eating more plant-based or eating fully plant-based. And I'll be honest with you, the people that come in, they say they want to eat 80% plant-based, they end up going 100%. Anyways, it just mm. it just happens because the food's so good, right? And it just feels so good. So that's kind of, we did open it up for people that want to transition to eat more plant-based for, for that reason. Right. But obviously you still have vegan in the name. So anybody who's really, really turned off by that probably just wouldn't come in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And we just bought another domain as well that we're going to test out some marketing. Um, So I bought plantbasedtransformation.com. Oh, Um, nice. Yeah. 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 And so how, how long do your clients typically work with you? Yeah. um, Minimum eight months on average. That's a long time. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, I don't do quick turnarounds. So yeah. basically when you're trying to do a fat loss, if we use a method that's really rapid, right? So two things need to happen. You're going to need to be very restrictive um, and have to limit a lot of the things in your life that you want to get to the goal. But then what happens is this blueprint of how to do it gets imprinted into your head. So now the next time you want to lose weight, that's all you know on how to do it. So what we teach your members is sustainable fat loss. So on average, it's about like 20 pounds per four months, right? So you got to lose 40 pounds, it's eight months. You got to lose 60 pounds, it's a year. Because we could go shorter, but again, I need 100% compliance on training nutrition, which is not realistic. I've never had anyone in 600 plus people, right? Life happens. You're going to make bad decisions. You're going to be stressed. You're going to be tired. Shit's going to happen. So it's going to hit the fan sometimes, ultimately. So I want to have wiggle room for people to make mistakes, for people to slip up. Because if I tell you like, hey, we're good in two months, if you slip up once and you know the timeline is tight, your brain just logs off. Like, I'm not going to do it. Why would I continue? Mm, right. right. So, I make sh- so I make sure that it's long enough for us to have that space to guarantee that you're going to reach the goal and that you actually have a blueprint in your head of what sustainability looks like. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And again, did you realize that this would be appropriate from the start or did that time frame evolve? 
it, it evolved over time. I used to do the, like, like everyone else. That's what my mentor showed me at first, three months, three months, like people want mm -hmm. quick results. Mm. And then I did it and I help people lose weight and I connect with them like eight months after, like I put the weight back on. I was like, well, there's a, there's a better way to do this. Yeah. And so then did more research and there's something called reverse dieting that you can do. It's a process where you speed your metabolism post-transformation. And I was like, damn, let's just do that with everyone. I'm just, I'm making it mandatory to every member that works with us to do reverse dieting because if not 95% of the time you put the weight back on. So I'm like, what's the point of doing a fat loss if you're going to be the same weight at the end of the year? I'm the, you're going to put it back on there. You just made all this effort for nothing. So now reverse dieting is mandatory with every member that we work with. And that's why two to three years out, 80% of the people are still the same weight that they lost. It's because of that process. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. That sounds really, really significant. Um, So what are your workouts like these days and do you have any you know workout rituals or superstitions or anything like that um in terms of superstitions and ritual like not really i just <laughs> you don't seem sure like I, a superstitious kind of guy yeah, i just make sure I, I warm up properly and then i go into the workout but right now i think it's four strength training sessions a week so two upper body two lower bodies um because we're doing a muscle building phase right now and then for my cardio whatever is fun so i have my bike behind me here, go for a swim, go for a run, play basketball, hit some golf balls, just whatever, whatever is fun. I don't want to do a form of cardio that I don't enjoy because then you dread it and you just never end up doing it. As much as I'm disciplined, I'm only disciplined because I make it easy for myself to be disciplined. That's yeah. yeah that's a great strategy. Yeah. Because yeah, that changes everything. It changes the whole nature of, of discipline. Yeah. Do you do cold dips? Every day. You do? Really? Where do you yeah. do them? Uh, well, I just take cold showers here uh -huh. at my house. Yeah. So I take cold showers every single morning. Um, I don't have a space to do a cold dip because I live on yeah. the second floor. So my neighbors downstairs wouldn't love me if water was like splashing over <laughs> on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do cold showers every day. And uh, all my members too, um, because there's tremendous benefits from a mindset standpoint, right? Like we talked about earlier, how do you get people that aren't as disciplined to become disciplined. Well, discipline's a muscle, right? So the reason why I love cold showers is because two things you got to do. And again, it's a controlled environment. You're not actually like, you didn't actually fall into the, a frozen lake in the middle of North Pole. You're in your house, right? It's a controlled environment. So you have to step into something uncomfortable willingly, and then you have to stay within something uncomfortable willingly, right? So how do you do that? A lot of it has to do with your breathing. I'm sure. Have you ever done ice bath before or cold showers? I have. In fact, I, I, that's, I'm pretty religious about ending my showers cold these days. And I've done, yeah, I've done ice dips, you know, when it's available. My, my boyfriend yeah. is a Wim Hof follower. And so okay. he has, he has a tub that in the winter time, he, you know, like a, Gotta break the ice on top of tub, it. you know, he, that he fills yeah. with water. So when I'm over yeah. there, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, there's that initial shock when you get into the cold water. Yes. It's yes. Really, I did notice that. Yes. <laughs> really rapid breathing. But then in order to stay into it, you have to slow down your breathing. And so by right. slowing down your breathing, you're learning to deal with uncomfortability, basically what it is. So how that translates into everyday life, you're stressed after a long day of work. You know, you have a workout to do, but you don't want to do your workout. So there's the uncomfortable feeling inside of you of like, I should do workout, but I really don't want to. Right. So if you are able, if you've been practicing the muscle of dealing with uncomfortability, you're like, okay, 
I'm going to go and do my workout. Even though it's uncomfortable, I'm able to deal with it because I've been practicing this. Same thing when it comes to food, right? Stressful day. I want vegan chocolate cake, but I have this beautiful Buddha bowl that I pre-prepared for my meal tonight. But no, I want vegan pizza or vegan chocolate cake. Well, let's just sit with how uncomfortable it is to want vegan chocolate cake and pizza and not have it. You just realize like a cold shower that you're not going to die. It's just uncomfortable for a short time and you can make a different decision ultimately. Right, right. I definitely have noticed that with the with the cold dips and the, the cold showers. I don't look forward to them and especially the cold dips. It's more intimidating because I'll go out for my run and then the whole time that I'm running, I'm thinking about the cold dip afterwards. Um, yeah. but, I, but I've learned that you know, I, I can do it. I can do it. I will do it. I'll just step in without hesitation and, and sink in and, and yeah, it does help build that muscle. I can't say I've noticed a huge shift in like, I mean, it's built my confidence and it's definitely, I I feel like it's strengthened me in mental and psychological ways. I can't Hmm. say I've noticed a ton of physical benefits from the cold exposure. Have you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not that much, to be honest. I don't really look at it from that point of view. I only do it for the mental component. Gotcha. I know the benefits yeah. of taking care of themselves. So, you know, a big thing is you don't want to take ice bath or cold showers after a workout. That's a big one because oh, really? most people do do that. But here's the thing is when you're exercising, you're creating inflammation in your body, right? Mm, Which is yeah. good inflammation. It helps with the recovery process. So if you jump into an ice bath, you take a cold shower, you're dimming this good inflammation as there to speed up your, reco- your recovery. So it's actually counterproductive. Right. So, I, I've heard people mention that, that they, you know, will wait a period of time, you know, between, between their workouts. Okay. Well, that's, that's good information. Yeah. Um, so just wait a little bit. Pardon me? I was going to say, I just basically want to wait a little bit, not right, right after, as much as it feels good. I get it. Like you're sweaty after a run. You just want to jump in an ice bath. We don't want to, but it feels good. Right, right, right. Um, so how has taking control of your health and your fitness translated into taking control of other areas of your life? Well, there, there was a point where I had to realize that I can implement the level of discipline that I have in this area to relationship, to business, to finance. Mm. And so for a long time, I was like, I'm just good at fitness. I'm just good at doing manipulating my body and training. And then I suck at finances. I suck at business. I suck at relationship. Mm. I was like, well, I can just implement. What do I do for my workout? I plan them. All right, cool. So let me plan financial meetings. Let me plan date night. Let me plan all of these things. Mm -hmm. So when they're in my calendar, they just happen. So I start using the tools that I was using to transform my body into every other aspect. And it allowed me to up-level all of those areas. And a big one was, I got coaches for my, my, my training and my nutrition because I still have coaches for my training nutrition, even though I coach people, because I don't want to have to worry about adjustments on my side. And the mind is tricky, right? I did more cardio today. I can have a little bit more food today or, ah, I can skip this because I built the workout. So I just remove it. It's there. I do it. And then I move on to the next thing I need to do. Yeah. So what, I mean, are you still learning about nutrition? Do you feel like, I mean, I always, yeah, always, there's always new studies coming out. You know, right. there's, there's, there's core basics that need to happen to shift someone's body composition. But in terms of like the food structure, the different types of food, all that, that's always evolving. Right. That's why the doctors always go to these seminars. There's a big one in September in Palm, I think it's Palm Springs, the, for all the doctors for the plant-based world. So I'm thinking of going to that. Mm. Um, 
but just so we can continue learning because there's always more to learn on the training and nutrition side. Right, right. And that's that's one thing that I love about this world and maybe you do too. It's just, there's so much learning. There's so much learning and growth and discovery. Um, I, I didn't realize when I went vegan how much the, my world would open up and how many new foods I would discover and new self-growth opportunities I would discover. Um, so it's been great just hearing about your story because it just feels so abundant and, and expansive and prosperous. I think a lot of people think of veganism as a life of deprivation and restriction. <laughs> and instead your world just seems so big and your heart seems so big and your mind is opening up. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we're, I'm, I removed four things, right? The chicken, the steak, the eggs, and the dairy. You know, that's pretty much what I remove. I gain access to everything else, which was always available. <laughs> I just never looked at it because the four right. main things were part of the plate. Right, right. That's, yeah, that's a very interesting way of summing it up. It sounds so simple. Um, yeah. So apart from your mom, has anyone else in your family gone vegan? Uh, my cousin, actually, he lost 30 pounds with us. He saw my mom's like, that's amazing transformation. I'm still working on my dad, right? Men are typically <laughs> harder when it, especially like previous generation to like the meat is manly. And so I'm, I'm working on him. I I'm feel that I'm a bailiff, maybe like a year, a year and a half away <laughs> from getting him to jump on. He's talking more about it himself. He's like, well, if I was to join, what, what would that look like? <laughs> so, uh, right. Right. I know the feeling I'm working on my parents as well. I, I did hear my dad utter the words, I'm an aspiring vegan. And my oh, wow. jaw dropped because this is, this is coming from someone who's not an animal person, not emotional, just doesn't really relate to that whole spectrum of, of the vegan equation. But I gave him the book Meatonomics because he's mm -hmm. very interested in finance and he's got libertarian leanings. Um, so he read yeah. that book and he also read Dr. Furman's book, Eat to Live, because yeah. he's he just turned 80. So he sees everybody around him falling apart, you know, and he's just yeah, he's he's determined. He's like not an option for me. So I think for him, those two books, he even he made the comment that after reading those two books, he would never be able to look at food the same way again. Um, so yeah. big progress, but he's not not there yet. Yeah, I think it's the beauty of age as well, right? Like typically the most people we work with are like let's say 45 to like 80 years old, just because there's more of a health awareness to it. When I talk to people that are 20 to 30, it's like I'm invincible. I don't need this stuff. I'm gonna live forever. And then yeah, as you get older, it's just like, oh, people around me are starting to fall like flies. I'm my body's starting to hurt. I'm starting to not have as much energy. So you know, it's a, I wish I could have the superpower just flipping on that switch in people's head of like, Hey, the, you got to you, the stroke moment, the cancer moment, however you want to call it, but without the consequences of it, like just flip it. So it's like, Oh, this is actually important. I actually need to do something about this. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because at just about every vegan conference, every animal rights conference I've ever been to in my entire life, that's always the subject of conversation. You know, what's that silver bullet? What's that one thing we can say to get through to people and just, you know, flip their switch and, and turn them vegan. And the reality is, is there's no one thing, you know, we just got to, you're either planting the seed or watering the seed. Yeah, I think exactly. It's one of these right. Two, so. right. 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 People will flourish when they're ready. 
Yeah. And I mean, I keep in mind too, that just like I'm against animal exploitation and animal herding, you know, I wouldn't want anyone telling me what to do, how to Mm. think, what to eat. So, you know, everybody has to arrive at these, these choices on their own. It's, it's tough when in the meantime, you know, billions of animals are suffering unnecessarily and billions of human animals are, are suffering unnecessarily from the consequences of, of these lifestyle choices. But um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's our human, that's our human lot, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but that's, well, that's, go ahead. I was going to say, but that's why I tell everyone just lead by example, right? If you, yeah. if you shine so bright that people are like, you have something special, what is it? Then they're, they're more open and receptive versus then if you go to them. So we're mm-hmm. the best tools for that change, right? Be the change you want to be ultimately. That's literally what it is. Right, right. That's really the only option. I totally agree. Yeah. Um. So I've got just a couple more questions for you. But uh, first yeah. of all, regarding your mom and her six pack abs. So I do, what's your opinion on planks as an exercise? They're great. They're, they're a great <laughs> tool in the toolbox. Okay, well, what's better? Because I can tell you this, I've been doing like a two and a half minute plank every morning for a couple of years now. And it's still number one, it's still really hard. It hasn't gotten easy. (laughs) And I mean, I see some definition, but you know, it hasn't transformed my abs. So (laughs) it's curious what your professional opinion is. Yeah, for sure. So ultimately, definitely is going to come down to nutrition, not exercising, right? Because you right, can exercise right. all you want. But if that little layer is on top of it, hiding all the muscle right. definition, it's it's going to stay there. So right. the nutrition <laughs> is the part that's going to reveal it. But in terms of actually strengthening your core, see your core as like one part of a whole. So if you want to grow your arms, as an example, right? For example, you want to grow your quads. So that's the front muscle in your leg and you do leg extension, and you just do leg extensions, right? Eventually, you'll have a big quad, but your hamstring is going to be tiny, your calves are going to be, you'll be very unbalanced. So doing just planks, just kind of a little bit like that. So you mm-hmm. want to do crunches, you want to do leg raises, you want to do side crunches, you want to do movement that work your core as a whole versus just one specific movement. So diversity is going to be important, kind of like for your gut microbiome, right? Diversity of plants, super important. Right. So big thing for planks that people don't do is they just go in and kind of flex their core. Some people don't know what that means, uh, but you just basically like squeeze your abs. So if you don't do that, all the tension will go on your lower back. Ultimately, you know, it's on your abs. It's on your lower back. If it's on your lower back, it's because your abs are tightened. Right. So most people, they do, they squeeze their abs to contract it. So that's how it was presented to me many years ago when I was doing my personal training certification. Mm-hmm. Your, there's your abs and there's your core right? So let's just imagine a can of soup. You have the can of soup, which is the foundation and you have the label around it that looks pretty, right? So abs is the label that looks pretty. It's the thing that everyone wants, right? So that's achieved through nutrition. That's how we reveal the abs. But to have an actual strong core that can, what you need to do is not squeeze your abs. It's to drive your belly button in and pretend like you have to pee and hold it in. So if you do a plank and you pretend that you have to pee and you hold it in and you drive your belly button in, you're actually activating your core properly versus just like sticking out and trying to squeeze your abs. You'll see when you do it, it's a very different sensation. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. I will, I will give that a try. Cool. Um, Welcome. All right. Well, it sounds like you've discovered a lot of books and resources that meant a lot to you in terms of just self-actualization and optimization. Any particular ones you recommend to our listeners? 
Yes. Awaken the giant within for sure. All right. It's a game changer. I think for, for both of us, I'm a really big fan of extreme ownership by Jocko Willinks. Right. Cause if we just take ownership for the things that we're doing and the thing that the things that we say that we're going to do, that's going to, that would be huge. I'm a big fan of deep work, Cal Newport. Um, just being basically having these uninterrupted moments where you can just be in a state of flow to create whatever it is that you want in your life, right? It could be business, financial relationship, on uh, just basically uninterrupted work. And then the big one, and this book I recommend, like all these other books are great, but this is the one I recommend everyone reads. I buy it for every single business partner I have. I tell all my members to read it. It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. You ever heard of it before? I have not. Well, change your life. It's a short book, um, but basically talks about upper limiting, how we all have a, a limit as to how much joy and happiness and success we're willing to experience ourselves before mm. we self-sabotage. Mm. And then the thing is, sometimes we hit that, we have a beautiful day. It's like we crushed it at work and everything's great. You go home, you have a fight with your partner for no reason. You're like, what happened? So this book basically helps you identify what those barriers are and how to overcome them. Everyone that's I've given that to, a tremendous difference in their life. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I'll include all of those resources in our show notes. Um, so where, where can people find you? And if people are looking to, you know, just get fit, get buff, get healthy, what's the best place to access everything you're offering? Yeah, for sure. Uh, fitvegan.ca would be the simplest one. Um, you'll have all the links to, uh, my personal Instagram podcast, YouTube, information on the program, some crazy transformations on there. So fit vegan Nazi would be the, the best place. Fit vegan Nazi? Uh, dot CA. Oh, d- <laughs> fit vegan Nazi. no, no, fit little vegan dot CA. <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. I speak fast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've got that charming Canadian accent, which, um, just makes, th- makes things sound more exotic. Oh, all right. You. Well, one, one question that I like to ask all of my guests is if there's a particular word that for you sums up what being vegan is all about. That'd be funny. A game changer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah that, uh, that would be, well, it's one word. It's two words, but it's the title of the documentary <laughs> too. Right. Right. Uh, and that, that, prompts me to ask this question that was running through my mind while you were describing everything that your business does. Have you thought about making a movie or a documentary? Uh, not now. No, I don't have no. the capacity. I don't have the capacity to take that on right now. Um, yeah. May- maybe in a few years. I think the first step would be a book. I would really mm-hmm. like to write a book on like how to become a fit vegan and actually help people do it the right way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just uh, the, for me it's time. If I would show you my mm-hmm. schedule, it gives a lot of people anxiety. Uh, but like I said, if it's scheduled, it gets done. Um, so yeah, it's it's on the list for the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's great. It sounds like you're very clear on your goals and your priorities, and that's that's important. That's how things happen. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Maxim, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been wonderful talking to you and just hearing about your story. Um, We close every episode by taking 30 seconds of silence for all of the suffering animals, human and non-human, who desire, as we all do, safety, happiness, and the freedom to live out their lives without interference. So Maxim, I invite you to join me in 30 seconds of silence for the animals and we'll conclude with the sound of the bell.
Thank you, Maxim. And thank you, Posse. See you next time. Until then, stay strong and stay true. Thank you.